Hi church family, welcome to church today. If we haven't met before, my name's Jono and uh, we're going to continue journeying through the book of Romans together. It's been fantastic to look at these different themes that Paul draws out to the early church but are equally applicable to us. I want us to start by asking you a question. What comes to your mind when you hear the word freedom? I was thinking about this as I went for a walk um, a week or so ago and uh, as the sun came up, I could just see up our street, um, there was someone had walked past and just um, thrown their empty beer bottles. And so it was like just every 20 metres, just a smashed beer bottle, one, one after the other. And I thought, oh, what do I do here? Do I clean it up? Should I go and get the dustpan and broom? And part of me was like, yeah, that's the right thing to do. And another part of my mind was also like, oh, Actually, it's a good thing to do because in our street, we've got a kind of ranty neighbour a little way along from us. I don't know if you've got a ranty neighbour in your street. Um, If you're struggling to think of who that ranty neighbour is, there's every chance that it might be you that other people are talking about. And as I, as I saw these broken bottles and eventually ended up cleaning them up, I just thought, you know, that, that is freedom, isn't it? Like, you know, go along in the middle of the night and just be a nuisance and throw your beer bottles and they smash all over the, all over the middle of the road. And that's a big question when it comes to freedom, like just because we can, should we? I don't know. You know, we see that we could apply that question to not only, you know, our street, our neighbourhood, but also the world, couldn't we? Like, as human beings, we have tremendous freedoms, but you don't have to look very far in the news to go like, are those freedoms being used to benefit me, to benefit other people, um, to better, better humankind? Of course, there's different ways that we use freedom, isn't there? Ultimately... I think, I make this statement like, you know, we're pretty poor masters of our own lives a lot of the time. And we don't have to look far from ourselves or we don't have to look way out in the the world to recognise that the same seeds of greed and selfishness and ambition that we see in the world actually also resides in us. And the Bible will talk about how we're pre- predisposed to taking something that is valuable and good and given to us from God and elevating or changing it or twisting it even and and it turns into something that takes um, the place in our lives that really only rightfully belongs to God and it comes to a point where we're going to look at this in a moment in Romans Paul says like you actually end up being obedient to these things in your life they begin to rule they begin to take charge a couple of weeks ago at our Moolap campus, we had a kid spot where the, there was this illustration of, you know, how, how quickly we get, and there was like a, a leader and a child, the two children there, and as they continue to lie and manipulate the truth, they're, they're, they're literally being wound up in these giant ropes and it, and it ultimately entangles them. And they're no longer free because of some of the choices that they made. And it's so true. We're going to be bound up by something. Thankfully, we get to be set free from those things. We're going to touch on that later on. I studied communications at university and one of the things that I really enjoy doing is exploring and looking at the way that social internet um, impacts us as, as people. I was reading an article the other day and it says this, researchers have found that people consistently use smartphones more than they plan or want to. This isn't big news. We may not notice that there is less and less time passing between touches of our phone. 
every 15 minutes, Phew, that was so 2018, we're in 2022. And the urge to reach out to the screen now feels like a rightful impatience with boredom of any sort. They went on to say, for example, the average smartphone user rarely goes more than two hours without using her device, unlocks her device 50 or more times a day and swipes or taps on it as many as 2,617 times in the process. And they went on to describe how through their research, they were looking at the impact on, of smartphones, particularly on teenagers and young people, uh, but applicable to probably so many of us where they said, what, what actually looks like boredom and a person wanting to go back to their phone, it's not actually out of boredom. Can you guess what it might have been? This large research project found that it was actually withdrawal symptoms. The same thing that might happen with a, a substance issue or some other form of addiction was actually happening people, with people with their phones. And so every time that they put down their phone, their brain had become hardwired for do more dopamine to go like, oh, you've got to go back to that. You've got to go back to that. Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And it was, they were withdrawing every time they put down their phone. It had such a pull on them. And this is what Paul is talking about, you know, about how we become, we end up obeying something. Of course, that, that um, addiction and those withdrawal symptoms is magnified because, you know, smartphones aren't innocuous. It's, uh, there's clear connections and research that will put together um, excessive smartphone use and depression and anxiety, in, particularly in young people. And it also like, does silly things like it um, disproportionately victimises lonely people and algorithms can be used to p keep people connected with content that isn't beneficial to them. And uh, sometimes it can just be a real mess. Talking about a real mess, um, we've got the, uh, seemingly got the gift at our house of dropping things on the floor. Uh, I remember one time if you, like little Tabasco sauce bottle, I was in the pantry and slowly it, like I bumped something and it fell to the floor, I couldn't catch it and it crashed all the Tabasco sauce going everywhere. Well, my Tabasco sauce bottle wasn't one of the little ones. It was actually um, from Costco. And you know, where the shop where everything is super sized, so it was a litre of Tabasco sauce. And it was like an incendiary bomb going off in our pantry. Ellie came back to find me with, with swimming goggles on, down trying to mop up all this stuff, barely able to breathe because of the heat in this sauce. She thought it was hysterical, it was so good. I got mine back when um, I heard this, this uh, commotion in the kitchen and where Ellie had grabbed a big jar of Makona, number eight, the, the thinking lady's coffee. And she'd grabbed that and she'd fumbled out of her hands and it, and it had hit the floor. And I went around there and checked and said, are you okay? And she made this incredible statement. She said, do you know what? That coffee jar bounced for a bit. And I thought, that is so true. You know, isn't, couldn't that be sum up our lives? Things worked for a while until they didn't. Can you identify with that? Is there anything in your life where you're like, it was going so well and I thought I had it until, like that coffee jar, it just broke all over the floor and shattered. Paul draws our attention to this in Romans where he says like true freedom is not, is not living without authority in our lives. It's actually um, having the right authority in our life and that right authority giving us the right purpose in our life. 
I know that's hard for so many people. So many people grew up with an experience of their parents where they're like, well, I do not want anything to do with authority in my life because my experiences of some parents that were less than ideal. Relationships that really hurt and damage people, hurt them, grieve them deeply. I've got friends who this was one, that was one of the key things they needed to wrestle and work through when they encountered the love of Jesus. Realising that, you know, there's freedom to be found in coming under the authority of Jesus Christ, but, you know, it was so countercultural to their experience of the people in their life. Thankfully, they were able to experience what Paul says here in Romans 6, and I'd like to read it for us. Paul says it this way: Don't you realize that you became the slave? You don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, we were once slaves of sin, but now we wholeheartedly obey this teaching that's been given to us. Now you are free from your slavery to, slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Paul wants to put it front and center how the gospel frees us from a life separated from God. And sin and our dysfunction, our separation from God brings a consequence that we can't escape. But as we choose to put our life in Jesus' hands, we choose to trust and follow him. Our our sinful habits, our thoughts and our attitudes that were there present before we came to know the love of God begin to lose their control. And even miraculous things like guilt begins to disappear and peace of mind begins to dominate rather than other dark thoughts that had consumed us. And right habits become the norm. And so... That sounds a lot like freedom, doesn't it? Freedom we can only experience in Jesus Christ. And and Jesus, I heard one um, writer say, Jesus wasn't. Jesus isn't in the business of setting us free to do whatever we want. He he he's freeing us to do what we ought to do. I'm like, I so need to hear that. How about you? Jesus isn't setting us free to do whatever we want. He's setting us free so we can do what we ought to do. I love just seeing how. Freedom spills into every area of people's lives where, you know, the, the hard work of holiness begins to take, take place. When I say holiness, I mean, mean becoming um, more like the character of Jesus in our own heart and in our own lives. And that's why Paul says this, like, thank God, you, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Did you pick it up there? Paul's saying freedom is actually is described as a free, joyful, satisfying obedience to God. Have you met someone who's just successful at seemingly everything that they do, yet they feel empty and hollow and lacking in purpose? I've heard people speak like that and I think, you know, that is not freedom. But yet I meet Christians who, who wrestle with big big questions and deal with disappointment and grief and enormous challenges in life and they even like they'll try things and they'll kind of fall over and you you might say fail at things but they pick themselves up and and yet they have this tremendous sense of peace and freedom like that is the difference that Jesus makes trying 
and sometimes failing and realizing we can do better, that can still feel like freedom. We experience freedom in those moments because of the love of God. And what is true of those young people with their smartphone addiction, like so much of it is based on the image that they can create. That's true for each and every person that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have to settle for an image that portrays the kind of face of us being free. We actually get to experience and God creates in us a new identity that is truly free. Imagery is exchanged for identity. A little while ago, I got to sit down with an incredible man in our church. His name is Paul. And so I'd like to share with you a brief Q&A that I had with him, um, hearing him speak about the circumstances in his life and as, he, as we looked at this topic of freedom. Enjoy this. Well, Paul, thanks so much for coming in today. Okay, and um, I, I asked Paul to come in as we talk about the theme of freedom today in the book of Romans. Could you start off by just giving us a brief snapshot of, you know, the recent journey for you? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, it started really back in September 2020 when I had the uh, uh, results of a blood test for just a regular medical checkup thing. And my GP said, oh, that's um, not too good. The blood, blood results are not good on your prostate levels. So we better um, send you off to see a specialist and see what that's all about. So I said, oh, that's okay. That's early days. We'll see. So I went off to see the specialist and the specialist said, oh, that's not too good either. <laughs> um, you've definitely got a tumour there or, or something going on. We better send you off for an MRI and see, you know, what, uh, what's going on. So another week or two went by and did the MRI. I'm still thinking, oh, it's early days. Could be, could be anything. And uh, then he, he calls us up and says, well, the MRI is definitely showing something pretty serious there. I better do a biopsy. Find it. And while we're doing a biopsy, I'll do this thing called a PET scan. So another set of tests, another few scans and this biopsy thing, which wasn't real good. Anyway, um, by the middle of November, um, we, Liz and I were sitting in the specialist's rooms and he said, well, the, you definitely got prostate cancer and it's a very aggressive type of cancer. Yeah. Uh, it's measured on this score out of 10 and my rating was 9 out of 10. So that was a bit of a shock to us. Uh, we were hoping that it was something fairly minor and insignificant, but... Um, he said, I, I suggest we operate as soon as we possibly can before Christmas. So this was middle of November. He can, I can fit you in just before Christmas. So um, that was a real surprise to us. And um, uh, obviously when we went home and talked about it, there was a few tears and a few, um, you know, it's the beginning, beginning of a journey, which we weren't sure where it was going to end. So that's sort of how it started. And look... That story that you share would not be unfamiliar with mm. many people who are connecting with church today. Um, today, as I said, we're looking at the theme in Romans of freedom in Christ. And so, Paul, what comes to your mind when you're facing significant mm. health challenges? Mm. You hear this passage that says we are now made alive in Christ. Would you be able mm. to speak to that? Yeah, us? sure. Well, the amazing thing to us was that the very next day after we had that news, uh, we try and do a Thrive reading together each day and have a cup of tea in the morning and do a Thrive and a bit of a prayer time. And the, the scheduled reading, you know, wasn't made up, it just happened that way <laughs> in God's timing. The very next uh, day, the reading was from Luke chapter 7 and it's the parable of the uh, centurion's servant and uh, how the centurion sends for Jesus and says, can you come and heal my servant and the Jews say look this is a great guy I think you should heal his mm. servant and Jesus heads off and then um, the servant says words saying no you don't have to come to my house you know, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house just say the word and, 
and that'll do, you know, he'll be healed. And Jesus said, that's amazing, you know. I, I haven't seen such faith in all of Israel. And it struck us, Liz and I, that um, even though the story is about healing and the, the servant does get healed, it's more about God is looking for faith, mm. for trust. And um, for us, that was a really strong message right at the right time to say, just trust me. I know what I'm doing. You're in my hands. Just mm. trust me. So it was the sort of freedom of knowing that we weren't on our own, mm. that God was with us, and to have that reading right on the, you know, the very next day, yeah. was just so powerful for us, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you speak. What strikes me is that, and and if you could describe this briefly, like there's not the absence. Of, like there is grief in your life. Mm. Like you've got a wife and kids mm. and grandkids that you love. Can you just? Touch on that and also where you've experienced freedom from God mm. in this journey. Sure, sure. Well, there's obviously the, the grief of if my life is cut short, Liz will be a widow, you know, my grandkids yeah. won't have a pa, my daughters won't have a dad. And so that, that's, a, you know, stress in anybody's life. And to think that your life is going to end prematurely, our lives will all end, but, you know, we're all hoping it'll be 30, 40, 50 years down the track, not, not maybe two or three. So... Um, Knowing that God was with us in that journey um, just gave us the freedom to know that he's in control of everything. Mm. And whatever happens, you know, if I die prematurely, well, if God's got a plan for me, uh, he's got a plan for Liz and for the grandkids and he's in charge. Another little story just at that time was um, we had some friends down for the weekend uh, just immediately after that and uh, we were going to watch church online on Sunday morning and we, Liz and I said, we're going to watch One Hope and our friends Graham and Bev said, no, we want to watch an Elfs. In the, the church battle. Yeah, the church, church, church battle. battle. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a little bit of a to and fro and we agreed that we'd watch um, something from London, yep. Holy Trinity Brompton. The, um, these friends and us had been to the Alpha conference that's run from HTB. So, oh, let's watch HTB. That'll be a good online service for sure. Well, the, the message on that morning, which was two or three days after we got the news about the cancer, um, was from John chapter 14. And Jesus says, uh, I give you my peace, and not as the world gives peace, but I give you my peace. Mm. And uh, he said, let not your hearts be troubled, mm. neither be afraid. Mm. And I, well, I was just blown away. You know, there we are just a few days later, and Jesus is saying, don't be afraid, you know, don't be troubled. I'll give you peace. And the most amazing thing for me is that, like, I'm normally a, not a particularly peaceful person. I'm like the little duck, you know, on the pond that looks peaceful on the surface, but underneath there's a lot going on. Yes. I've just felt total peace through yeah. this whole journey. Yeah. And I've just had no anxiety about the future, no anxiety about an early death. Yeah. All the tests, we've been in this now for more than a year and there's continual tests and scans and all that. But yeah. all the way through, I've just experienced God's peacefulness We've, we've slept well, we haven't been worried, and it's just amazing to me. I think that's really a gift hmm. from God, you know. Um, so the new life in Christ comes with a whole lot of gifts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I think the gift of joyfulness and peace and contentment, uh, you know, that's just been amazing to me. Yeah. And when we were speaking earlier, you had this incredible line where, you, like, would you speak to what the most important thing is, has been for you in this? I think along the journey, as I say, it's been a bit more than 12 months, I think I've learnt that um, the most important thing is not to be healed, maybe. Mm. Like, we'd all love to be healed and live a bit longer, but at the end of the journey, we're going to die, whether it's, as I said, in a short term yeah. or long term. What I've learnt is that um, a relationship with God is more important than healing, really. Yeah. So the physical healing, that'd be great, yeah. but that doesn't really matter. Um, so having a right relationship with God and having Jesus in my life mm. involved and walking with me through this 
journey, this pain, yeah. then that's more important to me, yeah. I've realised. Yeah. I mean, that, that is so incredible. That's what struck me even in the way that you talk and your demeanour, the way that Paul carries himself, that, that sense of freedom mm. and peace. And, you know, maybe there'd be some people connecting with church today and they would say, well, that's, that's good for Paul, but mm. I can't, like, that is just not where I'm at. Mm. Um, what would your encouragement be to people who are... Who are Maybe it's not physical. Maybe mm. it's just drawn to those feelings mm. right now of fear or anxiety mm. or unsettledness or just simply who face challenge. What would their encu- your encouragement for them be? Put simply that God is there. God is with us all the way through the journey. I think I, I told people early on that I felt that God was very close in this journey. Like, like I mentioned, those passages, those words that came just at the right time. But on reflection, I think God has always been close. He's always been in my life. But being one who likes to control his life as much as possible, <laughs> I sort of push, You must be push the God only the one, Paul. You're the only one. <laughs> I think we tend to sort of push God aside. Yep. We don't really need God. We, you know, life's going okay. We've got a job. We've got a nice house. We've got a family functioning okay. You know, mm. we don't really need God. But when you get to the end of the line, end of the tether, and there's nowhere else to turn, God is right there. And I think I've realised that God was there and is there all the way through. So for people who are not sure, God is there. He's with us and all we have to do is just look at him and ask him and he'll be there. Yeah. 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 Well, I want to say thanks for so much for coming in today, Paul, mm. and sharing your story and hope it's mm. been, a, I believe it'll be an encouragement to people. Yeah. And it's just, um, that's the power of the body, isn't it? Mm. Like we look around and we see the demonstration of faith and when yeah. we look hard enough, we can see the demonstration of God's freedom yeah. and God's grace. So I want to say yeah. thanks Good. for coming in today, Paul. It's a pleasure, Jonah. How good was that? Did you pick up the language of freedom in what Paul was saying? He, he described the ability to live with attention and in that he found peace and he found freedom. You know, it wouldn't be a stretch of the imagination to go like someone in Paul's position could quite easily be locked away in their own thoughts of anger, maybe resentment or grief or frustration and it would possibly can consume them. And even could they end up being obedient to those feelings? Oh, Absolutely. It doesn't take much for us to do that, does it? But how releasing, like, I hope you picked up in there what Paul was saying, that just how releasing and freeing it was for him to go, actually, that, those thoughts, those feelings, they don't need to be the boss of me. I don't need to bend to them and I certainly don't need to bow to them. And this is the freedom and that's our heritage to celebrate when we come into God's family where we can, we can look back to the things that God has done and say, God, you have done such great stuff in my life. And we can look forward to the future and say, God, even though I live with these tensions, actually, like I want to I experience you and I know you have freedom for me, so I want to walk in that. How incredible was that line from Paul where he simply said, freedom is knowing God is in control and God is right here. Recently, my wife and I were out for a walk and we walked past this house and it had a giant um, auction sign out the front of it. Like, oh wow, like, look at this house, it looks pretty incredible. And the language on the auction sign was like, you know, this house must be sold on this particular date, kind of like you might pick yourself up a bargain kind of thing. And so we thought, oh wow, like actually, let's have a look into this because, you know, it had, as we explored it, it had some stuff that was really nice about it. It was near some great parkland. It had, um, as our parents age, it probably, you know, might have suited to have them come and stay for a short time or a long time. It had, you know, a nice thing that you could probably 
potentially rent out on the side or use as some fancy studio or workshop. There's always space for more tools, isn't there? And so we looked around and we, we went to one of the open houses and it looked really nice. And I can remember this moment where we're outside and I did the, the stereotypical Aussie male thing where I tapped on the brickwork like, yep, looks good, like kind of vibe. You know, when you're just tapping, tapping something, so oh, it, feels, it feels sturdy, feels good. So we looked around and we were really impressed. And like we'd done previously when we'd bought our own home, we, Ellie called the building inspector, the pre-purchase building inspector. And so he was, his voice, she got the voicemail and he was actually on holidays. And so she left a message and she's like, okay, move on. We'll probably have to find someone else. Anyway, it was only a matter of minutes later when um, this person called back. And Ellie said, oh, I wasn't expecting to hear from you. You're on leave. Like, please, I didn't mean to interrupt. And he said, no, 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 what, I just... I just had to call you back because when you mentioned the address, um, I'm familiar with that house. And he said, I want you to know, like, my recommendation is that you shouldn't buy that house. And Ellie was like, oh, oh, okay. And he said, yeah, look, you can't tell by looking from the outside. But the owner, once the house was built, the owner went back and made some significant structural changes to the inside of that house that then got covered back up. It looks perfect, but actually it's, it's horrible. It would cost you hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to rectify this, along with the fact that you're living in, in a home you can't be sure or certain of. He said, look, you, you're just not getting what you pay for in this house. If it was me, I'd give it a really wide berth. And he finished up the phone call by saying this. And the sad thing is, someone is going to buy it. Someone is going to buy it. And I thought that is so true of the way that our society would have us live. Hey, if it looks great on the outside, it must be perfect. But when, if we were to look and see the important bits that are out of, that we can't see, that actually there's, it's not as it should be. It's not stable. It's not good. It's not trustworthy. And couldn't that be said of the way that we sometimes live? The sad thing is sometimes we buy it. And I thought about those people moving into that home. And I think about how we can, we have freedom to live life the way that we would choose. But really what's happening on the inside? Because that is why Jesus came. He came to set you and I free. And we don't need to, we don't need to shy away from the, the fact that our lives need structural work. There might be big things that God needs to address in our lives. There's no shame in that. As long as we come before him and say, God, I need you to do this work in me. Would you set me free? I don't want to be that person that look just the image on the outside is fine, but inside I know there's work. Because imagine the burden that people carry around when it's like just... God, I need you, I want you to set me free. And that promise is available to each and every one of us today. What are the situations where you would say, God, I want to know you. I want to experience the freedom that only you can provide. 
to acknowledge that like, yep, there is uncertainty. Like just like Paul said, like there's, there's moments where anxiety or fear could grip us, but God, may those things be dwarfed by your incredible love for me. I want to experience a freedom that can only be known through the, a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we finish up today, I invited in, our, uh, in my time with Paul, I invite, asked Paul if he would pray for us. And so if that's you this morning that I've been speaking about, I invite you to pray along with these words with Paul. See you soon. Okay, let's pray together. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are involved in our lives. You walk beside us, whether we recognise it or not. That you are on the journey with us, no matter how rocky the road gets or how tough it seems, you are right there beside us. And often we don't remember that. Often we get caught up in our own lives and forget your presence with us. Lord, I just want to pray today for all of those who are struggling uh, with various issues, whether they be relationships, whether they be health, whether they be financial, whatever they are. I pray they would remember that, uh, Lord, you are involved. You want to be involved. You walk beside us. You have your hand held out. We just need to take your hand and you are right there. So, Lord, I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you for your uh, love demonstrated by Jesus' death for us. And I just thank you that you uh, want nothing more than for us to take your hand and walk with you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.